Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. On our last podcast, Dr. Jennings began unmasking a beast, the beast of Revelation 13, 1, and he identified many attributes of this beast, and it doesn't sound like anything we want to be involved with, but guess what? We are involved with this beast in a very direct and personal way, and Dr. Jennings will explain more about that on the program. This beast had... Ten horns, and Dr. Jennings on our last program went through those horns and identified them, and that was pretty scary enough. But now we have some more information about this beast, Dr. Jennings, who joins us via Skype. Let's talk a little bit more about the beast of Revelation 13.1. What do we need to know, Dr. Jennings? So the recap of our first one is that beasts in the scripture represent powers of various kinds, either Mm -hmm. individuals, lamb, Jesus, or nations and political powers. That's what the beasts represent. The horns represented the powers that they wield. Christ wields the power of creation and, and truth and love. The beastly system wield other types of powers like lies, imposed laws, accusation, and we went through all 10 of those. Yes. And so now we are going to complete our unmasking of the beast by identifying what the seven heads are and how the horns and the heads work together. So it tells us that this beast has seven heads and that blasphemy is written upon the seven heads. And in Revelation 17, it gives us a little more insight of the heads. It says the seven heads are seven hills, and five of those have fallen. One is, and one is not yet come. So in Scripture, hills or high places are places of worship. Zion is called God's holy hill. And in Scripture, many places, the pagan places of worship were called high places or false places of worship. So the seven hills are seven false places of worship, which are the seven heads that have blasphemy written on them. That's why they are false places of worship. Mm -hmm. And so in John's time, he tells us that five of these false systems of worship have already been proven to be false by the rejection of Christ. One of the false systems of worship currently was operating in his day, but hadn't yet proven to be false. One is, and one is yet to come and will be only for a short time. And one in the future will arise and also prove to be false, but won't last as long as the others because it comes up so much later in human history. So there's seven false systems of worship represented by the seven heads. And those false systems are paganism, which is earth worship, nature worship, sun worship, Baal, Molech, voodoo, all these types of things. That's paganism, one of the false heads. Godlessness, the belief that there is no God, evolutionism, humanism, scientism, another false system of worship. Eastern mystical religions, spirit worship and ancestor worship, Buddhism, Hinduism, Taoism, and so forth. Islam, while Islam was not formally organized until after Christ, it traces its roots back to Ishmael and his 12 sons, and Muhammad is recognized as the last prophet, not the first prophet, and this system of religion also denies Christ as the Messiah and the Son of God. Mm -hmm. Judaism, which when John wrote Revelation, had already rejected Jesus as the Messiah, crucified him, and Jesus said in Matthew 23 that their system was left to them desolate. Mm. And so those are the first five false systems now, false in John's day, five of them had fallen. One is, and that was emerging Christianity, which became Roman Christianity, and eventually apostatized 
substituting the creator view of things, design law, God's laws that life operate upon, with imperial Roman constructs that have made up rules enforced by external authority and so forth, a Roman legal form of religion. And that's what Christianity became under the Roman church. And then the seventh and last false one to arise and be for a short time is false Protestantism, which are Protestant churches that continue to embrace the Roman imperial law view. God makes up rules and runs his universe no different than a human government does, and God is the source of inflicted suffering and pain, and God must be offered payment so that God doesn't kill us and so forth and so on. This type of false legal penal Protestantism. So Five of them had fallen by the time John wrote. One was operating, but would fall later, and then one would come later. And these are the seven false systems that would occur. Now, putting it all together, you think about this. It is the heads that do the thinking and direct the powers of the horns. That's true. Okay? That's true. And in every culture, it is the religious or philosophical beliefs that dominated in that culture that the leaders accept that direct them in the policies and practices that they make. So the beast of Revelation 13 turns out to be a chameleon beast, meaning that at different places and different times in human history, different blasphemous heads take charge of the ten horns, and in that region, in that time, they will use those ten horns to oppose and persecute the people of God. So during the Dark Ages, it was the Roman Church that advanced its agenda and controlled the population through the various horns or state powers, lies, imposed laws, accusations, inquisition, taxation, executions, the crusades, which are war, and so forth. All 10 powers were used by the Roman church during the Dark Ages, so at that place and point in time, that beast represents the Roman church. But in many Arab countries, Iran, Saudi Arabia, it's the Islamic beliefs or head that direct the ten horns to persecute those who hold to the true Christian faith. In the ancient Rome, Greece, and Africa, it was the pagan beliefs that directed the horns to persecute the people of God. In communist countries today, in China, in Cuba, in North Korea, it is the godless beliefs that direct the state to use the ten horns to persecute the people of God. And in modern Israel, it is the Jewish beliefs, including that Jesus is not the Messiah, that directs the ten horns to persecute or enforce its dogmas upon the people and its practices. So the first beast of Revelation 13 is a chameleon beast. It changes and adapts to the various social, political, and religious circumstances, but it is always wielding Satan's powers. And if you want to know if someone's beastly or not, then the beastly are those who are willing to use the powers of Satan, lies, impose rules, accusations, police powers, economic powers. No one can buy or sell, save him who has the mark of the beast, the Bible says. Powers of war, powers of death, imprisonment, taking away freedoms, all the ten powers that are being wielded. And we see those powers being wielded around the world. We've watched those powers being wielded quite viciously. Yes. in the world in the last couple of years. And this is all beastly. 
And this is ultimately, if you notice, the seven heads work together. These various different belief systems work together recently in a worldwide coercion of conscience in a certain agenda that they all colluded together with. And that's the beast of Revelation 13 as well. When they can coordinate on points that they agree upon, their different belief systems are set aside, but their methods are always the same. And they contrast with the methods of God or the powers of the Lamb, which are truth, love, and freedom. Dr. Jennings, along comes the weekend. We want to put our nice clothes on. We want to head off to a church, synagogue, temple, or Mother Nature. We want to go out there and we want to be a part of God's family. Where are we supposed to go? You just took out every religion in the world and every belief system in the world. Where are we supposed to worship today? Oh, thank you for that, Charles, because yes, I forgot to say, and this is critical. Please, listener, hear me that true Christianity has not fallen. Hmm. It is represented in Scripture and in the Revelation as the virtuous woman that fled into the wilderness and is being pursued and persecuted by the beast. It's false Christianity that is represented by two of the heads, Mm -hmm. but not true Christianity. True Christianity is the Christianity that looks like Jesus in its practices, principles, methods, and how we treat others. Mm -hmm. As you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. Jesus himself identified that at the end of time there'd be a false Christianity. He said, they will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform miracles in your name. Notice, in the name of Jesus. These are people who identify as Christian. And he will say, Get ye hence, ye workers of iniquity, I never knew you. And so identifying as a Christian is not the same thing as practicing the methods of Christ. And a true Christian not only takes the name or label Christian upon themselves, they actually have a heart that is like Jesus, his law is written on the heart, and they practice his methods, which are in direct opposition to the powers and methods of the beastly system. And that's one of the ways you can differentiate the beastly powers, the, the false Christianity will use the power of the state to coerce and manipulate like the Dark Ages church did. Oh, okay. I can breathe easier because you've told us what to look for. If we want to be part of a church family or a movement's family, if we want to be part of something with God at the head, we need to look for Christ-likeness in that church or in that organization. Am I right in saying that? That's exactly right. Jesus ultimately said the final test when he separates the sheep from the goats is not what day they went to church on or how much tithe they paid or which method of baptism. He said the ultimate test in Jesus' own words, he separates them based on this. As you've done it unto the least of these, you have done it unto me. Those who loved and helped their neighbors with self-sacrificial love were practicing the principles of God's kingdom, which is the law of love. Mm -hmm. And those who did not and protected self and would hurt others. And so recently we had an opportunity where the world was frightened and scared of a potential disease. The issue of the virus wasn't what was important. What was important is as you pursue whatever, whatever plan you think is best to deal in your community with the virus, are you willing to treat your neighbor who disagrees with you with Christ-like love and leave them free? Or are you willing to bring the power of the state upon them and coerce and punish them for not agreeing and living the way you want them to live? That is the ultimate test. Oh, loving like Christ's love. That's not easy because we live in a world of sin. How do we begin that process to become like Christ? Well, that's only possible through a relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. It's only possible when you know him as your friend and trust him with your life. So you trust the outcome of things to him rather than trying to make sure everything turns out the way you think it needs to turn out to make you feel safe. 
Okay, good. I want to uh, remind our listeners of something you mentioned on our last broadcast. If all this listeners, if all this beasts and these horns and these these the heads and everything were a little confusing, Dr. Jennings and his team has put together something that you need to know about. Tell us about that, Dr. Jennings, and how they can find it. On our website, we have the Unmasking the Beast of Revelation 13, 17 magazine that we put together. It's illustrated, referenced, lots of Bible references. You can go read the magazine and check every Bible reference for yourself. You can read it online. You can download a beautiful PDF. You can request to a U.S. postal address the printed version to be sent to you at no cost. So I encourage you to go there and study this out for yourself. Well, in the minute and a half we have left in your program, Dr. Jennings, What's our first step? What do we need to start doing today that helps us identify something that is not the beast of Revelation 13? So one of the things that we have to remember when we're studying Revelation and all the Bible prophecy is that these things are symbolic. Mm -hmm. And when you read the symbols, you have to go past literal thinking to what does the symbol actually represent? Mm -hmm. Many people trip up because they've never taken the time to trace through Scripture the meaning of the symbols. And the symbols, as we talked about in our first part one, can be numeric, like seven represents completeness of spiritual things, or or ten, completeness of worldly things, or or they can be represented by images, like a beast or a horn. Mm -hmm. What we've done here today is we've unpacked in this session some of the symbols, tracing it back to objective reality, and that is the goal. God is the God of reason, and he's the God of truth. And you might say, well, why didn't he just give us this straightforward? Because There's a difference between somebody giving you the answers to math problems and somebody giving you problems to work on your own Mm. so that you can understand the answer to the math problems. When you have been taught the principles of math and you study it out and work the problem on your own, then the conclusion has much greater merit and confidence and you have the skill to think and discern. The Bible is written in a way that challenges you to apply your God-given reasoning ability to weigh these things out, study them out, to come to your conclusions so that you can be developed not only to know the truth, but to know why it's true. Comeandreason.com is the website listener. Dr. Jennings has been with us via Skype today. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for your words of wisdom and guidance. Appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. And until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together.